my very best to get this job that I so crave. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Fan Zone Debate. We got another debut match for you here in our little uh, uh, title picture of debut people all coming in. All people that, have, like I've said in the other matches, have been banging down my door to get here. They've just been like, Tim, when will I debate? I need to debate. I must debate. And uh, it's just been crazy. Well, they're finally here. And uh, we got another good one for you. We got, well, we think it'll be a good one. We don't know. They're debuting. We don't fucking know. Uh, so we got Tyler Birch and Alex Martinez uh, debuting for you. And Brian, I believe you, the, out of order, We this is the fourth of these that we've shot. Uh, I believe it's only the second to air. But I believe you've been at all four of these debut matches. Uh, I so, yeah. You've seen the whole cream of the crop. Uh, what do you think about Tyler and Alex uh, debuting now? Well, like you said, I think there are two more guys that, you know, banging down the door, asking them to debate, and then you get them here, and they're like, did I sign up for this? But yes, you did. You're here. You're going to do it whether you like it or not, damn it. Um, <laughs> no, they, these are both, uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with these these guys. I think I've been, like, in, in rooms with them on certain, like, whether it be, you know, group trivia matches or just panels or something. And they seem like really nice guys, but I'll have to see how they can debate. Yeah. And Cody, uh, I think you... Um, have had some more experience seeing Tyler and Alex in the trivia uh, sections over in fandom, watching matches and stuff like that. And now, how do you think that's going to translate over to debate? Do you think they, they're going to uh, impress us today? What do you think? I was just told that I'd get another shot at Kirk if I show up to this, so wins my match. Uh, no. Um, tell me something that hasn't eaten away every day since. But... I was once a person that debated in this league and had a, you know, uh, was happy and excited to play, and then that will be lost at some point. Both of you will lose that at some point, and you'll hate yourselves, um, and you'll think of Blade Runner at night. Listen, I think both of these players are going to be very interesting in how they debate. Um, I've seen how they answer questions, um, and that's normally correct in fandom, but. We're adding war zone into this. We're adding general, and you can't. There's no correct answer in debate. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I think the butterflies will be out in the first few questions, but I think this is actually a good setup for a really good match. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. So let's bring in the players, starting with Tyler. Tyler, welcome to the show. Uh, you joined this community as Nick Tuig's doppelganger, uh, but now you are here in debate. Will you doppel uh, be a doppelganger of his success in debate? I mean, maybe. You never know. <laughs> you know, I'm just living the Nick Tuig dream right now. We're just gonna see where it takes me. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Uh, Sadness. Sadness. <laughs> Let's bring in Alex. Alex, welcome. Uh, you are now here. I hear that uh, being part of the Kingsmen is basically just one long debate for years on end. Um, one, Two questions. One, is that accurate? And two, um, why is that accurate? I think it's very telling that within, like, two months of joining the Kingsman, I we had started a Best Picture podcast. Oh. Um, everything is competitive. We recently watched It's a Wonderful Life, and Boatman showed up 30 minutes in, and then for the next 40 minutes, I couldn't hear the movie. Uh, because <laughs> he was like, this is the movie that should have won XXYZ. 
Um, so it's a little intense, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and now you guys are going to debate each other, and it's going to be hopefully very entertaining. So, uh, guys, here's how the show is going to work. Uh, so, um, they drafted some categories and some questions were given to them based on those categories. And now they are going to debate those questions today before our very souls uh, at the end of those questions after a one minute opening, a five minute free form and a one minute closing. Brian, Cody and I will write on our handy dandy boards who we think won that question. If you get two out of three votes, you win a point. Congratulations. And the first person to three points will be the winner. Uh, if we are tied out of all four prep questions, we will go to a bonus question, a uh, speed round, if you will, to decide the winner. So, uh, Alex and Tyler, do you guys have any questions as we get into the match? Yes. Can I legally yield my time, or do we just have to sit here? Well, you can if you if you want to give up your time. Uh, cool. You can do that. Yep. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, then we will uh, get into it. All right, let's get into this thing, starting with the first question, which was drafted by Alex. It's in the category of horror icons from the fandom world of a fan zone. And the question is, what is the worst character in a Halloween film? Uh, so, Alex, because you drafted this, you're going to get to go first. You've got one minute to open your argument uh, when you start talking, and I will come in to give you a 10-second warning when 10 seconds are left. Alex, one minute when you start talking. The category of fandom horror icons is filled with lots of things that I, you, we have to accept. And we, we should. It's a fairly weird category, but there are some things that we can work out. There are camp counselors that go every single year to a camp where it's called Camp Blood. Uh, that's a thing that we have to deal with. Uh, there's uh, not the death penalty in a lot of them, which I think is interesting and weird, uh, despite the fact that they keep, you know, they, they know where the killers are. I think that's interesting. Um, one thing, though, uh, that I cannot abide by is uh, the character of Freddie Harris. Freddie Harris, you will remember from the Halloween franchise, played by the great, great Buster Rhymes, uh, who is a street karate TV executive. Time. All right. We'll move over to Tyler for his minute opening when he starts talking. When I think of the Halloween franchise, I have a lot of really fond memories. A lot of great characters, some not so great. There's one character for me personally that always, always was so bad. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, that's uh, Malcolm McDowell's Sam Loomis. I mean, think about how great Donald Pleasance was as Sam Loomis, how he was the lifeblood of this franchise how you know what he brought to the table and then just imagine as rob zombie saying you know what we're gonna scrap all that and we're just gonna say he's 
greedy and a jerk and really not likable at all. Let's just kind of turn our back on everything, um, which, you know, was happened a lot in those movies. Uh, but for me, like, I there's a lot of really, like, one-dimensional characters. But for me, seeing them taint the legacy of such a special character is what's always going to be make him the worst character. Time. Okay. Freddy versus Sam Loomis. Uh, you guys have a five-minute freeform. When uh, I will be giving you a one-minute warning on screen. I won't be coming in, but you will see a banner like this below to give you a one-minute warning, and then I will come in like I did before for a 10-second warning. So uh, five-minute freeform. Please don't talk over each other. Be respectful, even back and forth. If you are talking too much, I will come and beat you with a stick. So have a good time. Sounds dangerous. Hi, Tyler. Hey. hey. Um, so Sam Loomis, uh, the, the Rob Zombie. I think it's. I think choosing a character from Rob Zombie's Halloween is actually quite an interesting thing because you picked the only character that is functionally a human um, that could exist outside of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, greedy, grubby uh, people generally do exist in the real world. I think Sam Loomis is actually one of the most realistic characters. Uh, unlike Freddie Harris, who I think is a cartoon character in a otherwise like comedic, but not like Looney Tunes kind of a movie. Um, do you agree? I mean, with Freddie, uh, I think, I mean, obviously he's the, the whole reason why that movie happens. And, you know, for the, early 2000s i think he was he was pretty on brand for what they were looking for there um but i mean i think that he he brought a really it was a really interesting attempt that they did with that movie and i don't really know if that character would have worked i mean to any degree without busty rhymes betrayal and you know the, that's kind of what always made that character endearing to me a little bit more than like you know not like uh like it, it's when you watch it like you just you you have fun with it it's not somebody that you just you're, you're like oh my god like this like what is happening here like why are you doing these things like what what because like what what's fun about him like drop kicking the main antagonist of the franchise through a window after giving like an action movie catchphrase like what what's cool about that I said it's cool. I think it's fun. Uh, I Ooh, mean, oh, okay, it's fun. Okay. Like, I mean, well, it, you, there's there's no dramatic tension. There's no like final show off with like with 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 the final girl. There's like no horror tropes that we have to do. It's just fun to have Buster Rhymes. You know what? I actually probably agree. It was probably really fun to have Buster Rhymes on set. It was also probably really cool um, to uh, have Tyra Banks on set too. Um, you remember that electric scene? when they like we're gonna get it on we were all we all had to watch because it was for i mean we watched it for trivia um remember that <laughs> no i think i think loomis is like a person though right like do you know like a crappy guy that likes money i just wonder not one of them um not no, one. I mean, with the, the loomis thing i can i see your point about him being a realistic person uh it's just the fact that they took a character that was in more movies than anybody else brought so much to it the role and just what donald pleasance meant to the franchise and just see how they twisted that character um i mean as much as they did it with you know with laurie uh 
and the weird Michael backstory, like with Sam Lewis, this, I feel like that's the one that they, they really were just like, they were trying to make a statement and that statement wasn't something that I thought really needed to be made. I think what they did with Loomis before was good. We didn't need to make him into another horrible human being in a cesspool of a movie. And that's kind of what we ended up getting. Well, I challenge that there are any good people in, in Rob Zombie movies. Uh, I mean, what the, the, the sheriff's daughter alone, I, I think Rob Zombie's Halloween movies come for everybody in a way that's equally uncomfortable. He should not be allowed to make movies. This is not part of the debate. Rob Zombie should stop. Um, but to get back into it, uh, everyone is twisted and weird and bad in those movies. Uh, top down. It's seriously, Rob, you should really stop. Um, everyone is twisted and bad in these movies. And if you're going to have Sam Loomis, you might as well go all the way with him too. It's thematic to what Rob Zombie is trying to do. I think if you're going to like, like Buster Rhymes wasn't like a key component of the MTV era. He was just kind of there. And he is like one of the worst crossover rappers. Like, why couldn't he be like common common just shows up and is like in a movie now you see me <laughs> like it was he now you see me one or two it doesn't matter the point is there are lots of rappers that just show up and are fine in movies and they collect their paycheck but this one he shows up he has no charm he has no acting ability he acts like kanye west and that's the most damning statement that i have for acting ability we really went for, we really went after him on that one i really um, hope so <laughs> yeah uh no i mean it's just i think the reason why we're so different on Freddy isn't because of, you know, it's, it's mainly because of the way I think we see the movie. Like it's for me, like horror, Halloween Resurrection has always been more of a horror comedy than just like a straight horror. Time. All right, Tyler, you're going to get to go first on this one to close. You have one minute to close your argument when you start talking. Okay. Yeah. Just to recap. Uh, I mean, for me, like, for, for Halloween, as much as you think about Laurie Strode, you think about Samuel Loomis. And I just, Donald Pleasance brought something, something to the franchise, something that made it last as long. Not, I mean, as far as like Michael and Laurie is important, I think that Samuel Loomis is probably the most important character for keeping that franchise going, especially through a lot of the very questionable sequels. Um, so seeing what they did with Malcolm McDowell, where he was just a horrible human being, um, and he really just didn't care about anybody. He didn't care about saving Lori. He didn't care about Michael. Uh, he just cared about money. It just really it tainted the character for me. And then he didn't even get like a, I mean, we didn't even touch on like the fact that he didn't really get a noble end. He just was like, I'm going to go save someone. And then he just gets killed. Uh, it's really disappointing. Is that, oh, um, but yeah. So for me, like that's, that's probably the worst character. Uh, it's worse to taint a legacy than to be one dimensional. Okay. We'll go over to Alex, who has one minute to close his argument when he starts talking. Uh, in closing, there are things that are inherent to films and their franchise. If you want to lighten up uh, Halloween, you know what? Live your life. But you don't need to absolutely own your main villain throughout uh, by having street karate TV executive uh, Buster Rhymes dropkick him through a window. Uh if you want to have like a thematic uh, continuity, you could say corrupt all of your characters like Rob Zombie did. I hate to give him compliments. In his Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2, which are legit. 
off the mountains. And I yield. Okay. So we will bring in the judges. Tim, I'm going to need the question again. Sure. The question again is, uh, what is the worst character in a Halloween film? Okay. Uh, we got our votes here. Um, this this was this was rough. Uh, this this was this was rough. Um, I don't know what was going on, and I had to uh, sift through what was happening. Um, a lot of things were said that didn't matter in the slightest to the question at play. Um, and but there were there so there were little things that I had to had to grab onto. And at the end of the day, we spent a lot of time talking about. Bust, busty rhymes, I believe Tyler called him at one busty. point, which made me laugh. I could I could have misheard him, but um, we That's I heard too. We spent a lot of time talking about Busta Rhymes and uh, whether or not it would be he was a good actor. Like I don't know. Base, I went with Tyler. I thought that Tyler, Tyler's pitch of like not only like the legacy of the character being completely tarnished, but um, also the fact that they just like the character in it of itself is just like not a good person or character worked for me and there wasn't much to go off of with Buster Rhymes other than like yeah like he's kind of funny and that's not the point but maybe it is the point because at one point Alex even said like yeah I, I bet he was fun on set and I think he was trying to be sarcastic but it didn't really come across so I don't know this was weird. I went with Tyler, like I said. So, Cody, where are you going and why? Yeah, most of the time I have a quote where it's like, this is weird. Um, this, is, this was just so... I don't... There's a point in this debate that Alex would have won and nothing else would have had said. He literally looked at Tyler and goes, do you agree? And if Tyler would have responded, yes... I would have probably given Alex because that's the boldest strategy I've ever seen is I'm going to say all these negative things that mean nothing to you. But do you agree with them? And if you would have said yes, it would have been bold. Um, I went with Tyler because I think Tyler actually mentioned stuff about the character, even though maybe I don't agree with it. I think oh, I that Alex just has – so Alex has something really against um, uh, Rob Zombie. Um if it was like the worst director ever, I think you'd have a really good point. But I think you spent more time on Rob Zombie, um, and then you even gave him credit of something about all the characters thing. I think the biggest thing takeaway from Buster Rhymes is he did karate and he kicked the guy in the chest. Plus, your opening was spent a lot of on the ca the category and not like setting the groundwork, which I think you could have used to set the groundwork and would have helped your case in the site. Okay, Brian, your vote doesn't count. Where would you have gone and why? Well, I mean, I think this is a, the the first round of debate on two debut matches, yeah. and uh, you know, it, I kind of expect it to be a little rocky to start with, especially like I said with time management and the opening things like that. Um, but I think they're shaking, shaking off the cobwebs. Uh, for me, it was kind of the same thing where there wasn't a lot to grab onto. Um, I actually did end up voting for Alex in the end, though, um, because for me, um, while Alex did get caught up later on with more about whether he was a bad actor, his ability, his performance, things like that. 
uh, he at least early on had mentioned things about how his character wasn't just comic relief. He was like, you know, he was a cartoon. He was like, you know, basically a character. And with Tyler, he talked about his character as a horrible human being in that, but that's kind of what that movie is full of. And too much of his argument, I felt, was comparing it to Donald Pleasance. And it's not a matter of comparison. It's in this movie, what is the worst character? Yeah. So, No, totally fair. That's why we've got the three judges. So uh, we are going to move on to the next question, which was drafted by Tyler. And we're sticking in horror because we got another horror question. So the question in the category of horror is, who is the best side character in a Scream movie? So no Sydney, no Dewey, no Gale. Those were the restrictions given to you guys. So uh, Tyler, you draft this. You get to kick it off. One minute when you start talking. One of the hallmarks of Scream is the, the side characters. I mean, they, they're a lot more vibrant than you get in horror movies, and I think that's why it stood the test of time uh for me when i was thinking about this question i was thinking about one of the character like what character sticks in your mind the most when you think about screen um you know which one it's you're like you you start reciting the lines uh you know and just like the portrayals that just stood above and beyond and for me that had to be uh matthew lillard's do mocker uh the one of the killers in the first one just even before the reveal that he was the killer, uh, he was just—I mean—he was magnetic. All of the, all of his line deliveries, you know, he was deranged. He was crazy. He was fun. Uh, the, he did like you know all the horror tropes. Like he—he he was the one that would be like, "I'll be right back." Um, just like and just like when he was talking to—I mean, Sydney. When he was talking to Sydney, he was like, "Did you call my mom? They're gonna be so mad." Just lines like that uh, is really what sticks out to me about that character. And it's, why, it's the reason why, even though he was only in one movie, uh, people still talk about him to this day because of just how great. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'll move over to Alex. Alex, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. I do agree that Scream has amazing side characters. There are uh, just littered throughout. Uh However, I think choosing Stu is a little bit problematic in a way that I'm going to get into later. I chose Randy Meeks as my character. Uh, I think that if you are going to do a movie as bold as Scream, the type of movie that Scream is, you need a character that is going to define the rules so that when you break them or point them out, uh, it actually has resonance. Uh, and I think Randy is the kind of energetic character that brings that uh, idea to life. Quite frankly speaking, without Randy, the movie doesn't work half as well. Uh, uh, actually, probably very similarly to Stu, but in a way that I think is less bloodthirsty, which is, I, in my opinion, kind of the point of the film. Okay. All right. You guys have five minute freeform when one of you starts talking. Hey, Tyler. Hello again. Uh, Is Scream satire? I feel like... Uh, Just yes or no. Is Scream or satire? Yes. Okay. And <laughs> I think both of our characters fall into the sort of pointing at the rules kind of meta-commentary uh tropes of the 
horror genre. We've seen Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare, you know, all that stuff, right? Mm. And Stu is one of the killers of the original movie, right? Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, so do you think that by choosing Stu, you've missed the point of the film by calling him cool? Because you're not supposed to think, you're not supposed to be on the killer side, I don't think, Tyler. I mean, it's not it's not that I chose him because I thought he was cool. I thought about his portrayal. Uh, I thought about just what he, I mean, what he brought to the character. The, I mean, there's those, the lines that he, he delivers. I mean, those are lines that people went, I mean, to this day, they, they will say whenever they talk about the movie being some of their favorites. Uh, he's definitely, I mean, he's, He's a more interesting character the more you think about him too, which I thought was really interesting uh, because, you know, at first you just think, okay, he's just someone that tagged along because he wanted to kill people. Um, and then you start to kind of think about like, I don't know, for for me, like I always think about, you know, people's motivations behind why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, and it's always, it's interesting. And like, you know, he even like, he kind of pokes fun at that. Like when they talked about, uh, like when uh, they ask you why you did it, Stu, why, what are you going to say? And he said, peer pressure. Um, I thought that was really interesting because you think about like, you know, what the circle, like what, you know, what, what did go behind on those conversations? You know, not that, not that we know and not that it was like, and you know, it's just, it's just something that like, I always think about, I always think about their motivations and kind of what, what drives people. Why is it interesting to want to kill people? I'm, I'm, I'm just asking because I think it's more reasonable to, find catharsis in like watching it on screen playing it out going thank god that's not me this is what i would do in that situation uh uh how would i react uh how would people around me react um introducing people to your love of the thing that's going on on screen maybe they're freaked out a little bit of it um but i think going straight to i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do that up there i think it's a little bit what i think terse uh to say anything about it i feel like you're trying to jokeify me here <laughs> no 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 not at all i'm just trying to oh. to like figure out like why Stu resonates when a perfectly acceptable character like randy is just sitting there uh who has the gray skull and wit to say something along the lines of you know th thanking god that he was still a virgin so he could make it through this movie when peer pressure is the reason I started killing is the plot of like a million bad movies. I mean, but both of those lines kind of follow the same, the same thought, you know, where they talk about how it, where they're kind of satirizing the different tropes. I mean, with sure. But why is it better to be the killer than to be like the person that makes it? I mean, I don't think, and and not not for nothing, but like Stu, Stu is kind of out of the. He, Stu's like an and like a character that inspires the rest, but like we're still talking about like all this. We're we're still redoing Randy by like the horror franchise freak um, that has a bunch of knowledge about the general stereotypes, whereas the killers just kind of came and went. I mean, just. Be because of the rules, I mean, it's, that's, but anyone could deliver those rules. I mean, with, as far as like, with Randy's portrayal, it's so much, how much was it because of, of him and how much of it was just because of the subject matter? 
sure the subject matter was killing people and he seemed to enjoy it which i find a little bit interesting despite the fact that not everybody did or does hopefully um Yeah, I, I I just find Randy to be a more uh, palatable character, one that is less bloodthirsty. Time. Okay. Uh, Alex, you're going to get to close first. You have one minute to close when you start talking. The very nature of Scream uh, is meta in a way that you're supposed to notice. Uh, it points a finger at it. Uh, and I think by siding with the killer saying that this is the best side character is short-sighted in a way that was not intended by its original author who i mean it would find that a bit unfortunate even if he thought the killer was a neat idea whereas the characters that survive and then you know are around in future sequels and the idea of those characters are around in sequels um probably deserve a bit more attention uh, for establishing what it is that the rules are in a way that is palatable and then exploitable just from a cinematic and storytelling perspective. Uh, Randy is by far the better character. Um, Time. All right, Tyler, you get one minute to close your argument when you start talking. Yeah, what I was trying to say about Stu isn't that I'm glorifying him as a killer or anything like that. Uh, for me, it was just he's one of the most charismatic characters, and it's not glorifying him or anything like that. Uh, it's just his line delivery, everything that Matthew Lillard brought to the role uh, really just was what really stuck in people's minds. I mean, it's why I made that character so iconic, uh, because it could have very easily have been this two-bit, you know, assistant killer who's just along for the ride, which is kind of what the peer pressure line was supposed to kind of lead to is um, kind of give that impression. Uh, as far as, you know, like with Randy, I know we didn't get a chance to talk to him too much, but um, with his character, he, he plays a role, um, but honestly, I'm not sure how many people, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure how many people really resonate with him more than just the idea of him, um, just as a character. Time. All right. <laughs> oh my God. I've never wanted to jump in. And oh, in the worst fucking way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, go. go no, don't be, no, don't, don't be sorry. You guys no, are, you guys do you. No. That's how the debate works. Um. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Well, believe me, Brian, I was in the same boat, but I just can't find him. Um, enough evidence on the other side. All right. Can I go first? No. <laughs> I don't even know what to do here. Um, well, you're going first, Brian, so. Yeah, I know. <sighs> okay, I guess. Go ahead. Is Cody ready? Yeah, yeah my board's down, but it's there. Um, right. um, I think that you both had much better openings. Started out strong. 
I think everybody stayed focused on the question. There wasn't anything, a whole lot of stuff that was like, you know, we're bringing performances. You were talking about characters. So that's, that's, that's the pluses. Uh, the problem is there was not a lot to grab onto because the entire middle section of debate was like, I don't know what that was. Um, I think that uh, uh, Alex kind of latched on to Cody's thing about asking the question, like, do you agree? Because his entire debate was asking Tyler questions, um, which, which Tyler largely didn't talk much in that second section, which is the only reason I gave it to Alex, because I didn't hear a whole lot from, from Tyler through the whole middle section. Yeah, uh, I agree. I went with Alex. Uh, not because of anything Alex did, but purely based on what Tyler didn't do. Um, I think Tyler got frazzled because Alex pinned him up against a wall with bullshit. <laughs> and, if Alex had, or, and if Tyler had literally just said, fuck you, I'm not playing that game, and yeah. talked about his character and why Randy sucks, I would have voted for Tyler because I thought Alex's shit was bullshit. I like to point uh, out that Alex said at one point that his character was perfectly acceptable. He literally tried to convince the panel that if you're if your villain in a film kills someone and you like that character, you should be in jail. Uh, for Alex, uh, Whoa! You don't you don't like you can't like Darth Vader then because you literally said at one point no Darth Vader shirts. You literally were like. Yeah, you sympathize with someone who kills someone. That makes you Sim weird. Empathize. Excuse empathize. me, it's my turn to talk. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies. So, uh, I just thought it was fucking weird. But I will say that uh, I like both of these characters, and I thought that they were good. They were the two correct choices. And I agree with Brian that the openings were very strong on both sides. And I actually thought Tyler's closing was very strong. Um, I just again think he got frazzled in the middle, and that it that it happens to the best of us. So, uh, Alex does win the point, but Cody, you're gonna give us your vote as well. Okay, so this I want this to be a direct go back to and watch this on how to debate and how to handle things. One, the only question you have to answer on call is a question presented by the, the, the panel and answer the question on the table. If a player gives you a question, you don't have to answer it. You don't even have to acknowledge it. You can move on and debate your own time. The thing is, I am on the record that Matthew Lillard should have won an Oscar for this performance. I think he's absolutely incredible in this role. Um, he is by far the best side character, in my opinion, and it's not even close. And just because you sided with the – he basically put – the thing was uh, – the reason I voted for Alex, the only reason I voted for Alex is because he basically took, put Tyler and made Tyler feel like a terrible fucking person for picking Stu because he kills people in a Scream movie when we just literally talked about – we picked in the thing of horror. Yes, he should have sliced everybody up, and that would have been great. I root for Freddy, Michael, Jason, every person that slices everyone's head off. Jack Torrance, favorite character in that movie. So uh, this is no moral high ground. You did fine. You just were frazzled, and you got put in the corner. But, uh, yeah, Alex just talked. So it, it won because Tyler couldn't talk back. So. All right. So we're going to move on to the next question, you guys. Reset. Refuel yourselves. You're all good to go. Uh, we're moving on to the next one. And we're tied one-to-one -one because, you know, that's how this works. So we're going to move on to the next one, which was drafted. 
by Alex. This was in the category of Oscars. And the question is, what film nominated for Best Picture in the 2020s deserves a sequel? Uh, so, Alex, you get to start this one. You have one minute when you start talking. There have been lots of excellent, interesting, fantastic, terrible movies uh, nominated for Best Picture in the 2020s. Uh, and probably more than a few of them deserve a sequel. I personally would say that one of my favorites uh, of this past class was Belfast, a movie that was incredibly sweet, personal, charming, uh, interesting, as well as heartbreaking in points. And it is, while it is a complete story, but I think there is room for more exploration of these characters, taking them in and out of situations, uh, locations, uh, in a way that I think Tyler's pick of Dune, while Dune can continue, I think it is in a way that is unfortunate the way it was structured. Okay. All right. We're going to move over to Tyler. Tyler, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. Well, cast out of the bag. I chose Dune. Uh, so that was a little bit tidbit there. Um, for me, when it comes to the Oscars, and Alex even stated in his opening, so many of them are complete stories. You know, they got a beginning, they have an end, that's it. Uh, for me, I mean, for obviously, Dune, you always think there's going to be a sequel anyway, because it's a great book series that has multiple sequels. Uh, but also, it just, it, the world that they created, it felt like in the first one, you learn so much about it and so much happens and you already you already get the feeling that this is just the beginning i mean when at the end when they're like this is doing part one it was like well yeah of course it is like we're going to keep this going even though there hadn't been any talk before about it they didn't specifically name it doing part one like you just felt like we're just getting started on this adventure like we're this is just part one step one we're going to keep on going we're going to keep cruising time all right uh, Dune versus Belfast. You guys have five minutes when one of you starts talking. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, like for I for Dune, like the the reasoning. I mean, there's there's so many different reasons. I mean, like I said, obviously, like it, it's easy to say that it's going to be it needs a sequel because of the fact that there is the book series, um, but also just as you're going through and you're seeing this world, it feels like there's so many different breadcrumbs that we're going to keep building towards, um, that this is a story that, you know, yeah, you can see the, it is like the fall of the House of Atreides. That's what this book, this movie is supposed to be. Um, but you also can tell that this is also the beginning of a story as much as it is an end of the, the Atreides house story. Um, so, I mean, I honestly like, Dune Part 2 can't come fast enough. Um, yeah, so in fairness, I actually quite like Dune. I think the major problem with it uh, is that it is an incomplete narrative. Uh, it is functionally about a third or about a half of the first Dune novel. They uh, did this whole movie. Uh, no, 
an immediate plans to do a sequel. And they said, well, I hope we get to make it, knowing that uh, people would cry out for it if they didn't happen on the off the back of things like uh, the Snyder Cut. Um, I think, though, that that's a bit of a problem when you've got actual complete narratives um, with actual places that can go that are not obvious. Um, for example, Belfast, you can immediately follow this family. You can uh, follow them years later as perhaps they come back to uh, Northern Ireland. You can uh, do all sorts of things. Whereas with Dune, I think you, you're pretty set on the way that you've got to go. Um, I think it's astounding that Dune did everything that it did, despite the fact that nobody really talks about the performance, the performances of Dune. Uh, it's almost purely a technical wonder. They built all these sets. Uh, they did this amazing music. They did all this stuff. And yet we're not really crying out for Timothy Chalamet. We're not really crying out for an Oscar for Rebecca Ferguson. We're not really crying out for anything for Zendaya. Uh, it is a badly marketed film. They'd implied that Zendaya was in it a lot more. Uh, and it's also... I mean, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I mean, but the fact that, that being, Zendaya being in the marketing and what drew people in, the fact that she's going to be a big part of the sequel, I think, is also going to lead to why people want to come back to the story. It's part of why I, I talked about the breadcrumbs, because it's... and. I, I disagree with you about the performances. I think that a lot of the performance is really dynamic. Oscar Isaac did a great job. Timothy Chamelay, um, that character, you can see how that character starts to grow and where his journey is going to go. Um, and I'm all in on learning more about Paul and how he connects to, you know, how he connects to the larger world that they're building around him. Um, but I think with the, I mean, the marketing and everything, like that's because they, they, I mean, it was a, it was, obviously it was a bait and switch. So I don't really know if the marketing is really a big part of this. Uh, but the fact that the things that people focused on that they wanted to see, they now get to see more of in the sequel is why people are clamoring for that sequel. I would challenge that Timothy Chalamet is great in Dune. I would pass that Oscar Isaac is good in Dune. I would just say that uh, well, Oscar Isaac's not coming back for Dune. I'm unclear as to the capacity of Rebecca Ferguson in the sequel to Dune. I imagine uh, Paul will Paul Traders will be the main focus of Dune. The problem with that is that you already know. They've told you what the plot of Dune is going to be. As opposed to Belfast, which you're going oh. to walk in with a entirely new story, uh, either set in a new country, or you can come back to the same country years later. Have you ever come back to countries like i've ever come back to your neighborhood after even just two years away it's drastically different there's a lot all sorts of potential for a belfast sequel well and i mean but isn't that movie a personal journey for kenneth Branagh? isn't that about his own personal journey going through that experience so wouldn't that mean that and in the same way that the sequel for dune goes places that we're expecting it to go his personal journey is going to certain places no, I imagine that Kenneth Branagh has like a few stories that he could tell from his life. I, I, I'm sure that if he moved to England in the 1970s, England in the 1970s sucked. Um, and just to and, and just to close here, it's like there, there's still more stories for Kenneth Branagh to tell about his own personal life. Time. Okay, um, Tyler, we're gonna go to you. You get to close this one first. You have one minute when you start talking. 
one thing that uh, I thought about with the Oscars question and it's something that Alex kind of brought up during it is uh, that it's a technical marvel, you know, actors, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we don't get to really determine what makes it Oscar worthy. That's not really the point here. The point here is to talk about uh, what is it going to what which one deserves a sequel. And Dune's story is just getting started. Yes, I feel like I could have sat down and watched Dune. I would have enjoyed it to beginning to end. And I would have wanted more. And that's kind of the point. You, if you want a sequel, you want it more after you're done watching the movie. Um, but, I mean, I think I would have been okay with it just ending like that. Uh, so I, I think that this story, we're, this story is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And they built something great with the first one. Uh, they built this world that you want to see more of um, this world that, you know, you, I mean, it was the fact that they had a hell of a cast and that cast, there's new cast, more casting news. Like it's time. Right. Okay. We're going to move over to Alex who has one minute to close his argument when he starts talking. You don't deserve a sequel because you've adapted a third of a book and then leave it to the fans to decide if you get one. That's not what deserving is. You might get it accidentally and that's great. Um, but it would be better if you had told a complete narrative, a complete beautiful narrative and actually gotten everything you wanted out of it with still room to grow. The characters in Belfast have that. They have relationships, dynamics, uh, complete ones that would be interesting in new countries, new times, new uh, away from each other together in a way that Dune only works if these characters are all together. Dune has spoiled itself. Do you know what's next? The war. That's Dune part two. And Belfast is very open-ended. You can do almost anything you want with it as long as it reasonably makes sense. Okay. All right. Bring in the judges. All right. Cody, whenever you're ready, I believe you're kicking this one off. Oh, now I get to? Yes, you do. I want to go last time. Sorry. So I'm going to be honest with you. Start this conversation. I really thought this was not what the question was. I thought this was like where they're battling. I'm like, oh, I'm like, Performance and stuff like that. I get all that. Um, I think Alex did a really good job of trying to like this, like discredit Dune and say all these things about Dune and leave it up to the audience. And I think his closing kind of helped. You know what's coming next? The war. Well, I mean, some people would want to see a war. Some people want to see a conclusion. I understand the Belfast argument that there's more story to be told from where it kind of finally goes. I just think. The more you tried to shoot down Doom, the stronger Doom got um, and kind of did Tyler's work for him. So I went Tyler. Okay. Uh, Brian. Uh, I went Tyler as well. I, I think that Tyler was very smart in that right in his opening. He kind of stole Alex's argument away from him because he said right up front, he's like, yes, it obviously is made up to, to have an open ending to have the sequel. You know it's coming. But he, then he still was able to support you know why it deserves to still get that second part uh so tyler wins the point i also went with tyler i actually thought that yeah like i understood what alex was trying to do but i thought that tyler did 
kind of exactly what I what I wanted him to do in the last fight, which was not uh, feed into some of Alex's bullshit, and to the point where I thought the line that really sealed the deal for me. Sorry, Alex, but you, yeah, but uh, the the line that really sealed the deal for me was Alex kept talking about like the we can go anywhere with the Belfast sequel. We can do anything. Uh, there's lots of stories we could tell with these characters. And then at one point, Tyler was really smart to say like, isn't this based off of Kenneth Brana?" And Alex was like, well, we can tell a story with Kenneth and like Brana." And Tyler was like, okay, so then that's, a, that's not anything. It's a Kenneth Brana thing. So I thought that was really a really smart attack and defense on him there. Um, that kind of s- sealed the deal for me. And I thought that Tyler's closing was was pretty strong. And so was Alex's, but I think Tyler had just gotten there a little bit uh, more for me in the main fight. So, yeah, I went with Tyler as well, which means Tyler is up two to one. Uh, and if I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that they've won each other's questions so far. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how this last one goes, which is going to be in the category of Pixar um i will take out cody and brian but alex does need to hit this in order to send it to the bonus question the uh question in the category of pixar is what is the best scene in a toy story film so best scene in a toy story film uh alex you draft or no sorry tyler you drafted this so you are going to get to start first you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking the Toy Story franchise is filled with a lot of great moments. Um, a lot of moments that I know as, as a kid um, have always left their mark on me. Uh, but no movie has left its mark more on me than the original Toy Story uh, for a lot of very different reasons. But for me, probably one of the biggest reasons is the scene when Buzz and Woody are trying to light the big one rocket and they launch and they fly. You know, the whole movie was Woody saying, you're a toy, you can't fly. And then getting to see them fly, get back to Andy, fulfill all their—I mean, fulfill all their dreams—it was probably it was one of the most cathartic moments I think I've I had experienced. You know, obviously at a young age, um, but getting to see how the cynic Woody um, embrace the dream, like embrace dreaming and embrace like the miracle that was happening. I mean, um, them flying and seeing Buzz also say, "We're just falling with style." It just showed how the relationship had matured and okay move over to alex who has one minute when he starts talking like tyler the toy story franchise was hugely inspirational on my childhood i grew up a very weird kid though and i had an attachment to everything that i ever owned ever Um, And while the Toy Story franchise is centered on the active walking toys, I always had a very personal connection to Andy. And the idea of Andy being very sentimental, the idea of Andy being this incredibly uh, caring kid to these toys, who obviously loves these toys, uh, leads me to my choice of Andy giving Bonnie uh, his toys at the end of Toy Story 3. I think it is an end to the story of Andy as he takes the final step and grows up and goes away and realizes that his toys still have purpose elsewhere. 
Okay. Uh, the launch scene from Toy Story 1 versus the giving away the toys at the end of 3. Gentlemen, you have five minutes of free form when one of you starts talking. Uh, yeah, no, so, end of Toy Story 3. I mean, we, we all know what happens. We, you know, I'm sure you all remember where you were uh, in a movie theater. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move past that. Uh, but the reason why I think the ending of 3 is so powerful is because of the moments that lead up to it. And one of those moments has to be that launch scene because, I mean, we get to see... Uh, we, we get to see them return to Andy. We get to see how much they care about Andy, um, which is bookended by how much Andy cares about them when he's given them to Bonnie, so that way he can... I'm just going to get corny with it. So that way he can fly, and that way he can soar and be free um, and move on to college. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, the, the, the ending of, of Toy Story is a... It's actually it's like it's out of an an, an action movie, which uh, it, it's 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 a really interesting choice to set that in a way. Uh, I I think though that the Toy Story franchise isn't I don't think considered necessarily an action franchise. It it has its moments, I suppose, but what it is is it's an incredibly sentimental franchise in both ways. I think we don't necessarily spend the most amount of time with Andy. Um, but we spent a lot of time with him, uh, or we spent a lot of time with his toys, and we know that throughout the movies that they that they obviously mean a lot toward each other. Uh, in the first Toy Story movie, they're trying to uh, dash to him as he's literally he's he's leaving. That it's actually like a very parallel scenes. Uh, in Toy Story three, he's going away forever, and he knows that these toys are just gonna linger somewhere in an attic. Um, Whereas I think honestly in Toy Story, if they had failed, some other kid probably would have found him. It would have been all right. Andy would have been bummed, but he's gotten new toys and forgotten the old ones before. In Toy Story 3, he's an adult and he realizes he's never going to see these toys again. Why not give them to a new, a, 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 someone who is going to appreciate them, who clearly like can build a new relationship with them? And I think the final touch for me, the scene, the, the the part that breaks my heart is not just him going, here, kid, these are my these are my toys. It's him taking them out of the box individually, saying, uh, this is this is this, this is this, that, um, this is what the, you know, this is how I played with them. And then leaving it for Bonnie to decide how it is that they play. They played together for a moment before Andy gets in his car, takes one last look, and gets away. Whereas in Toy Story, it's oh cool, the kid got his toys back. That's nice. Well, yeah, and I, I could see that if the the scene at the end of Toy Story was about Andy. It's not really about Andy. Andy is just kind of the the MacGuffin, if you will. Um, it's mainly about the relationship of Woody and Buzz and how it evolved over time. Um, seeing how, you know, so many different scenes that set these, I, I used it earlier, but I'm going to say it again, breadcrumbs of uh, this moment. You know, Woody constantly telling him that he's a toy, Buzz saying that he's not buzz seeing that toy that toy commercial and realizing that he is a toy and that whole existential crisis him trying to fly and it not working and him losing his arm everything that this movie was about was about building that relationship and we get to see that relationship we get to see 
this relationship pay off. And we also get to see how when they work together, they can make magic happen. Because if it wasn't for all the different circumstances that, you know, that brought them together, um, then neither of them would have been with Andy. They would have, you know, they would have failed on their own. But the reason why they worked to, that they were successful uh, was because that they were together. Right. And I think that is a wonderful encapsulation for one film. Whereas I think Andy giving Bonnie all of his toys is a wonderful encapsulation of three films and up until this point, Andy's entire life, uh, which is if, if you know, it, it, the, it's about the toys, but it's not just about the toys. It's about the toys relationship with Andy. And Andy has a voice with which to say, I'm I'm no longer in a place where I where I'm going to be able to have like to have you and be important in my life, you get to still be important within someone else's life. Um, the transfer, I think, is as important as still being there for Andy. The transfer of being away from Andy is still as important or more important than being with Andy, in my opinion. It has more weight, certainly, because it's the last of three, or it, it at the time was the last of three and the last in Andy's story. Okay. Um, so we're going to start with Alex for the closings. Alex, you have one minute when you start talking. The end is probably one of the most important parts of a movie. If you're going to end uh, a particular character story that you've been following for a very long time, uh, whether that be movie, book, film, real life, you have to do it in a way that's meaningful and true to the characters. Andy loves these toys, has cherished them, and the relationship goes both ways. Andy understands that he's not going to be in a place to play with these toys and admire these toys and love these toys in a way that is the way that they deserve, but he does know someone that could. And in making the ultimate sacrifice, leaving behind uh, really his childhood as he goes off to be an adult, um, honoring the relationship, honoring the purpose of a toy, which is to be played with, to be enjoyed, to be loved by a child. Um, I think sacrifice, uh, pain, joy, love, emotion, it's all there in the ending of Toy Story 3 when Andy gives Bonnie his toys. Okay. Uh, we're going to move over to Tyler, who has one minute when he starts talking. The ending, of the, the ending of a trilogy feeds off the movies that came before it. We asked to the ending of three, you felt a lot of things, but that was mainly because of what came before. The evolution of Woody and Buzz as time went on. Honestly, Andy, as much as they loved Andy, very rarely did we see Andy return that love. And so Andy's, like, even though I was the same age as Andy, I never really thought of myself as him. Uh, but watching these toys and how they grow and how they became, I mean, they had emotions and dealings with, you know, complex things like not being the favorite, you know, a lot of things that we go through when we're growing up, um, getting to see that moment where when they work together, see when they fly, I still remember seeing commercials where they would show all the Disney greatest hits from the nineties. And that scene was there, um, because it was just, I mean, to steal the line from Superman, you could believe that toys could fly because of that scene. And that's why that's why it stuck with me. Time. Okay. We will bring in El Judgeritos. You don't like that one? Not a real fan, but 
Can I go first on this one? No. Can I? Has Nick ever told you you're such a hard ass? Please show no, You have, I think. Tell you what, Cody, we'll let you go first on the next one if it gets to it. I don't think that's true either, because I think you go. Oh, Brian, Brian would go first. Oh, I will too. Okay, you don't get to go first anymore. Uh, Hold on, I'm not ready. Yeah, I'm not ready either. I'm still thinking. This this was the best one by far. So, uh, I think it's what we care the most about. That's fair. I do love I the conceit of this match because we're like the two bummer players of each of our teams. So, like, it's a. <laughs> Yikes. I didn't hear what was said. Um, shit. Okay. I'm already ready. Just let you know. All right. I don't feel good about this. This was tough. This was really good. I thought I thought that both of the players did a really good job at explaining why um, their scenes were good. But honestly, as good as I thought they both did, we spent a lot of time on why it was emotionally effective for them. Um, why it hit for them. The question was, what is the best scene? Uh, in the series and not necessarily, you know, like what is the most emotional or impactful. It was best seen. And so as much as I thought that both of them did a really good job of like explaining why their scenes were emotional or impactful or whatever, it wasn't really the question. And so it was tough. Um, Ultimately, I did go with Mr. Tyler Birch. Because I thought Tyler's closing was really strong where he basically said that, like, yes, the end of three is emotional and impactful, but you don't get there without the character building moments. And while it is a, a, a big moment for Andy, you don't necessarily see a lot of Andy. I disagreed with what he said, but I didn't let this impact my decision, but I disagreed with what Andy or what Tyler said about Andy not returning the love. I saw Alex freak out backstage. I agree with you on that, Alex. That that was that was some bullshit, Tyler. But I uh that's a personal opinion. But yeah, I just thought that Tyler at the end of the day was able to give me like concrete reasons from his movie of like they said this line and then it calls back to it here. It makes this the best scene in this movie it it, the whole movie builds up to it and it hits um whereas three yes it's emotional but there's a lot build up work to get there this was honestly this was really tough i could have gone either way but i i had to pick and i went with tyler uh cody where are you going oh i forget um i agree with tyler i don't think that andy does show enough love throughout the series to Yes, I think he's very. I think he's kind of an ass. If we're being honest, wow. like, like 
I mean, he's young, you know, he does all the stuff, but I think, like, overall, like, the characters are the characters that depend on each other. Overall, the whole situation, I think these are two really good choices from them. I had no problem with that. I think I think it was a turning point in the fight for me is when Alex, like, tried to pin this all on Andy and what Andy felt during the entire exchange because that's who he leaned towards and said that Andy was you know, the most sentimental character. And that's basically where Tyler threw off and goes, I, I, I'm more with the characters in this one and who I was attached with and the flying and the, them coming together. So I actually went with Tyler as well. All right. And Brian, where did you vote? Uh, I actually went with Alex again on this one. Um, first of all, I, I think that uh, Annie, the reason you don't see him show much love towards the toys is because most of the movie is what the toys do when humans aren't around. So it's kind of the point. If you told the story from Andy's point of view, you'd see how much he loved him. But that aside. Um, They're always laying on the fucking floor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I just think that I, I think that Alex had a really strong case when he says, you know, this is, is at the heart of sentimental franchise. And I think that his scene kind of was the culmination of, of the series and everything that led to that point. And again, as he said, up to that point, because yes, they made that fourth superfluous one that I don't really care for. But up to that point, it had been the journey of the toys and the journey of Andy. And uh, I think he made a good point of how you not only see how the toys and Andy, you know, both saying goodbye, but at the same time, Andy, you know, takes that time to play with the toys of the Bonnie. It's kind of passing them on to her. And so I just really like this argument on that. All right. Well, uh, this does mean that your winner, Tyler Birch. Uh, so we are going to start by talking to Alex. Alex, you did really good tonight. We had some hiccups. I said that you threw some bullshit. Uh, I stand by, but that does not mean that I think you are bullshit. I think you did really well for a debut match. So, uh, how are you feeling, sir, about the match? I feel fine. Um, if I if I have to chat up some bullshit for a franchise that I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of or have seen every installment of, then I absolutely will. I, I thought that Tyler was going to get frazzled during one argument. If I had to get him frazzled during one argument, then it was going to be that one. Um, Sorry, Tyler. That sounds mean. I really apologize about that. Uh, I realized that <laughs> uh, I'm like a hair away from being kicked off of multiplex at any given time. So I wanted to try and make this um, as painless as possible, which, uh, you know, hopefully we did that about an hour still on it. So, yeah, be all right. I just wanted to come on and chat some movies. Yeah, that's all we ever want. Uh, Alex. Uh, who do you want to play next to try to, you know, maybe get the first win? Um, yeah, anybody. Uh, it's, well, somebody bad. Just give me somebody bad, and then maybe I can win that. There's quite a few of those, so we can Yo, see what we can do. Uh, Alex, uh, great job uh, for your debut. Uh, we will see you again next season. Um, but thank you for being here tonight, sir, as we move over to Mr. Birch. Tyler, uh, welcome back you won your first match how are you feeling surprised uh mostly uh everything was working against me you gave me alex who loves to talk all kinds of shit and talk just go in very argumentative all the time which is very not me uh so i was like this is already not going well and then he chose oscars and i don't watch oscars movies and so i'm like i don't know and then he chose toy story 3's ending and i was like well that's over and so it was just a whirlwind of emotions of like, this is it, man. This is it. Like, get one point, you're out. Here we go. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Tyler, this does mean that you're moving on. 
Uh, you are going to be playing, um, let me double check. You're going to be playing the winner of the match that aired two weeks ago. So I feel, uh, I feel good about saying who you're going to be playing. You're going to be playing Brandon Cohen in your next match. Uh, he played Will Cohen and won that match. How are you feeling about that? Uh, I'm feeling good. I actually played uh, Will Cohen in um, the t- the movie Battlegrounds over on TMG Trivia, mm-hmm. uh, and he was he was really good. Um, so for Brandon to beat him speaks quite a bit to his ability. So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the challenge. Uh, honestly, like I I had a lot more fun today than I thought I would, uh, which speaks to. As, as big of an opponent as Alex was, like it, he also, it would just, other than the screen question, you know, I'll hate him for that forever. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, like it was good and he really pushed me and I felt like I really got to, it, that kind of helped me to to kind of step up in the other questions. And so I'm just looking forward to kind of getting to see if Brandon does that and how we go from there. Cool. All right. Well, I'm excited to have you back, Tyler. Thank you for being here tonight. We'll see you on the next one and let's get final thoughts starting with mr brian final thoughts uh yeah i mean it it started off rocky um but i mean as it went on i think we like you said we, the first one was the worst one the last one was their best debate so it just it's it's a debut match and that's going to happen and they, and they kind of found their rhythm they found how to debate things they found how to t- manage their time and it went a lot better so it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here yeah cody final thoughts from you I didn't even get to go first in pros match. This is just bullshit. Um, either way, um, it's crazy. This is just this is ridiculous. Um, overall, I think both. If I'm being brutally honest, I think both competitors need to um, just get better. Um, am I saying? I think this league, the top is the top for a reason. I think the bottom is like where a lot of players can settle out. They just have to be confident what they pick and stand firm and don't get back pushed back on their stuff. You picked it for a reason, defend it. Um, I think that's what uh, Tyler will have to do against uh, Brandon, especially because I think Brandon did a really good job in his last debate about what he able, he has like one of the most iconic quotes from fan zone all time is he bang Glenn close. Um, Like, like, like the man, the man just came out like guns blazing last time. And Tyler is a little bit more pushback. So again, if he can stand this true, I think that would be a good fight, but Alex was able to walk over a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll see that next match pretty soon here. Otherwise we got some more debut matches for you coming up. We got Brooklyn Bale debuting against Tanner Hansen and Chadwick Webb and Bill Cariola. That's going to be a doozy. Uh, so we will see you guys real soon with the next match. But thank you so much for watching. Thank you to Alex and to Tyler and Cody and Brian for judging this one. We will see you guys real soon with the next one. Until then, goodbye. There we go. Thank you very much. Please come again. We have a lot more groceries.